um, impacted me with this message. So I hope that it speaks to all of you as well. Um, but uh, anyways, last week, Pastor Craig kicked it off talking about determining your direction. And uh, this week, we're going to continue the conversation and talk about distractions that kind of take us off the path that God has for us and uh, determining what those distractions are so that we can be prepared and um, not caught off guard. And so I'm, I know I'm not the only one who's ever been distracted uh, or have gone off course before. I'm sure you guys can relate. Uh, for me, one of the scariest moments in my life was on a road trip that Cassie and I took to Colorado. I was driving and uh, admittedly I lost focus and got distracted by my own tiredness. And uh, I started out in the left lane and I did one of those head bob things, if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I ended up in the right lane and I had no idea. And uh, it scared the life out of me. And I promise you, after that, I had no problem with focus. It like jolted my heart awake. So we all lose focus at times. And, uh, and so today we're going to talk about those distractions that try to take us off course. We're going to look at the life of Jesus briefly uh, because he was the master at keeping focus. If you look in the Bible, I mean, you would expect that his enemies would try to uh, take his focus off his mission and his path. But even his friends and family would unintentionally cause him to try and lose focus. Uh, Peter, one of his most trusted disciples in the Bible, it talks about him actually having a conversation with Jesus. And Peter tells him basically, I mean, Jesus, come on, you don't really need to die. You're the king of the world. I mean, just take out all the bad guys and set up your kingdom. You don't need to do this. And Jesus responds by saying, get behind me, Satan. In other words, I know my mission. I know the path. And that ain't it. Um, he was focused. There was another time where Jesus was actually on the cross. And the crowd encouraged him, tried to encourage him to come down uh, to save himself. And he didn't. The Bible says that he could have. He could have sent armies of angels to destroy the darkness. And he could have saved himself. But he stayed on the cross because he knew his mission. And uh, in that moment, rather than saving himself... He knew that he needed to sacrifice himself to save all of us. And, uh, and he knew the path that he was on. He knew his mission. And he wasn't going to be distracted from that. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. It's the direction we're going to head. If you don't know this about me, I, uh, I'm a big history nerd. I really enjoy history. There's certain aspects of, of history I enjoy more than others. One of those, um, I really enjoy the Middle Ages. Uh, there was a lot of weird stuff that went on during that time. Um, one aspect of the Middle Ages that, you know, don't judge me, I find interesting was their, uh, to put it mildly, creative forms of torture and punishment. If you know anything about that time period, uh, it was bizarre, but creative and messed up. And one of those forms of torture, it actually, you know, the person being punished would be strung out and um, there would be ropes tied to each of their limbs. And then the ropes would then be tied to horses. I have, I have a picture of it. And um, 
then the horses would be ordered to take off in opposite directions. And I'll leave it to your imagination as to uh, what happens from there. But um, what I find actually more interesting about this method of torture is actually the term that the French labeled it. Uh, The French called this form of torture, torture, we'll show you, uh, they called it distraction. I'm not making that up. And so distraction is literally being pulled apart in different directions. And so today we're going to look at the things in our life that pull us apart and try to pull us off the course that God has for us. Are you easily distracted? How many things in your life, how many opportunities have been missed that you didn't even know were there because you were too distracted to see it? I mean, it's scary to think about. Just even this past month, how many opportunities did you not even know were made available to you because you were too distracted to even see them? Right? I mean, we ask God for blessings in church. We come here, you know, God bless me. And we ask for for specific blessings when maybe we should just be thanking God for the blessings he's already given us. And, and stop being distracted about what we constantly need and want and be thankful for what we have. At Crossroads, our mission, the vision of this church, you'll hear Pastor Craig talk about it all the time, it stems out of a passage in the Bible out of John 10.10. 10. We always focus on the second half of that passage, but I want to look briefly at the first half of it this morning, and it says in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He comes to destroy your life. But see, he doesn't do it by dropping an atomic bomb on you. He's not that obvious. It says that he's a thief for a reason. You know, he's discreet and he's sneaky. He destroys by distraction. Is it just me or do you ever feel pulled apart, right? It's hard to function in a world of distractions. It's hard to parent in a world of distraction, or it's hard to keep your purity in a world of distraction. It's, it's hard when you're on this path to focus on Jesus and to pray and to live for him when you're being pulled by distractions. You're pulled off the path this way, and you're pulled off the path that way. And it's one thing to be distracted by bad stuff, right? But sometimes we're being pulled in four different directions by things that are really good. You know, I want to give my kids the attention they deserve, but I also have a sermon I need to get ready for, and there's also a youth group to prepare for, and Kyle, don't forget that family wedding you were invited to, right? And people expect things from us over here, and they expect you and pull from you over here, and then they expect things from you, and it's, it's all building up, and it's pulling, and it adds pressure and tension, and you wish you could just make it all go away, right? <laughs> Distractions pulling us. Fortunately for us, Jesus had some things to say regarding distractions. And so we're going to look in the book of Matthew briefly this morning. Jesus tells a story to a crowd of people. And uh, I believe we could learn some things from it. And so Matthew 13, starting right away in verse 1, it says that the same day Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. 
while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. A parable is just a story explaining some lesson that Jesus wanted them to get, and he told it in ways that it would make sense, make sense to them culturally and was relevant to them at that time. He told them parables or stories, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. In other words, really pay attention to what I'm saying, the meaning beneath it. And we're going to skip a couple verses ahead uh, because Jesus spoke in these stories, but uh, sometimes his disciples didn't quite get it. And so he pulls his disciples aside to kind of explain it to them because they were a little slow, like I would have been. And so I appreciate <clears throat> Jesus doing this. In Matthew 13, jumping ahead to 18, he explains what this story means. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. <clears throat> the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. <clears throat> I grew up in church, and so if you, like me, have heard this story before, um, I've always heard it in the context of the four soils kind of representing four different types of people and how they kind of receive the gospel. Uh, the first one being someone who comes to church and they enjoy it, um, but it kind of ends there. They don't really do much with it. The second one being someone who might come to church and uh, it impacts them. Um, they get baptized even, um, but eventually they fade out. Um, there's not much root taken. <clears throat> and so on. And so I've always heard it in the context of different people. But uh, as I've been studying this and thinking about it in the context of this message and just how it applies to my life, I, I wondered if maybe this has to do with uh, potentially the conditions of our hearts at any given moment. Like if at 9 a.m. I could be good soil, but come noon... I'm a little rocky. And then by three o'clock, I'm feeling choked by the thorns around me, right? I mean, is it possible that over the course of any given day, we could be all four types of soil? You know, so I think God might also be talking about the condition of our heart. And so this morning, to kind of parallel it with the imagery of torture, of the four horses, uh, we're going to look at four distractions of the heart that pull us 
off the path that God has for us. So if we look at the story, the first seed that gets thrown, Jesus says that it gets snatched. If you're taking notes this morning. It gets snatched, like before you even leave church, snatched. Before you even leave the parking lot, the seed gets snatched. Now, how many of you have had something good in your life get snatched by distraction? You know, I grew up with my mom always telling me that I was an elephant. Not because I was an obese child, but because she said I never forgot anything. And you can ask my wife, and she'd tell you that ain't true. But um, I'll admit, there'll be times where I'll be sent to go grocery shopping, and uh, she will text me a list. I'm like, Cassie, I need a list. And she'll text it to me, and I will put it in my notes in my phone so I don't forget it. And uh, admittedly, I will get to the store, and I'll pull up my notes. And uh, what is right beneath my notes app? my NFL app. And, uh, and so I'll go to my notes and then I'll end up clicking that because I gotta stay up to date, right? And I gotta check my fantasy stats and make sure that I am up to date with what's going on. And inevitably what happens is I come home with candy and ice cream instead of milk and diapers. If Jesus says that He is constantly scattering seed in our lives. But as we're walking down this path, the enemy will try to snatch that seed before it has a chance to take root. The farmer scattered the seed down the path and some of it got snatched. Get this, all last week, God was scattering seed in your life. You know, opportunities were given Um, responsibilities were assigned, Uh, memories took place, and and opportunities were given in that way. Uh, Maybe an opportunity to help somebody, maybe an opportunity to grow in some way. But before that opportunity had any chance to take root, it got snatched. And again, it just, it scares me to think about what these opportunities could have been in our lives uh, that we don't even recognize. The unfortunate thing is we will never know what those opportunities could have been because we only ever saw it in seed form and then it got snatched. We never got to see what it grew into. And Jesus is so modern in his way of thinking. You know, he, he makes a way for it to relate to us because he said that birds will come and snatch the seed and we'll be at dinner and instead of interacting with the people closest to us and and our family and our loved ones, we'll be on our phone distracted by people that we barely even know and what happens is family dinner just got snatched. And this will happen inevitably at church today. You will hear this message but before you even leave today, Someone will tick you off, or you'll be so focused on where you're going to lunch 
that this will get snatched before it has a chance to take root. You know what the devil would absolutely hate? Is if you were to leave church today and actually have a conversation about the message. You know, he he wouldn't know what to do because you've never done it before. And this is why you come to church and it seems like nothing changes. It's not that the seed wasn't good. You know, church was good. You know, youth group was good. Discipleship walk was good. The message was good. Church was good. It's not that the seed wasn't good. It's that it got snatched from your life before it had a chance to take root. I dare you to try this, maybe starting today or just the remainder of this series, um, with the people that you came to church with, actually have a conversation with them after church, say this, say, you know, what do you think God was speaking to you through the message today? Just see what happens. Instead of, hey, where do you want to eat? You know? I mean, see what God does through that. It, 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 it scares me to think about the opportunities we're missing that we don't even recognize because we miss out of them in seed form because they don't take root. The seed gets snatched. The second distraction that Jesus tells us is the seed that gets scorched. And this one's tricky because it almost looks good. In Matthew 13, 5 through 6, it said that some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they were withered because they had no root. You know, it looks good on the outside. It's, it's put together on the outside. But inside, there's no depth. There's no root. And so it eventually withers. You know, and we get so good at this. We can get so busy and live our lives so busy, yet still feel empty. And it's problematic because it has the appearance of life, but there is no life. It has the appearance of life, but there is no life. Root represents commitment. So many of us are so unrooted, and that's why we're so easily distracted. Root represents commitment. Root represents what you're really anchored to. But all too often, the roots aren't deep. And, uh, And we see it all over. We're unrooted and distracted because we have no deep sense of priorities and commitment and principles in our lives. And parents and pastors, they, they look to the youth pastor, and, and the youth pastor kind of gets the short end of the stick here because statistically, 70% of young people don't carry their faith or don't continue in church uh, past young adulthood uh, once they graduate, according to Lifeway Research in Christianity Today. And they look to youth pastors as, you know, what's the deal? What's going on? But, I mean, why would a young person stay in church when all their life they're taught that sports and vacation are more important than church attendance. The roots aren't deep. Now I'm shocked at what little it takes for people to miss church. Well, it's supposed to snow tomorrow, so we better stay in. Or, 
You know, we have family in town this weekend, so I uh, probably won't go to church. You know, heaven forbid you invite them with you. And uh, I'm obviously not talking to anyone here because you're at church. And, you know, you can clap along with the message, take notes, and no one will know that you haven't been here the past three weeks. And there are some people who, and this baffles me, will actually have a conversation with their kids Sunday morning and ask them if they want to come to church. And I don't get that. You know, I don't ask Paxton if he wants to brush his teeth. You know, I don't even ask him if he wants to read the Bible or if he wants to pray. I don't. Paxton, do you want to pray today? Heck no, Paxton, it's time to pray. It's time to read the Bible. And you know what? At first, he didn't want to. Shocker, right? But Cassie and I didn't take that as a, an opportunity. Where, well, Pax, you probably know best. You're right. You know, we probably shouldn't. No, we kept with it. And guess what? He will actually ask us to brush his teeth. And uh, when he's grabbing books... The Bible's the first one he grabs. And when his mommy or his sister or a friend is sick, his first response is to pray. And he doesn't do it every single time. He's not, you know, this perfect Jesus baby, but <laughs> it's developing habits in his life. And so I don't get that. Why would you ask your 13-year-old if they want to come to church? It just, I mean, that shouldn't even be a conversation. You know, and I see it because I work in church, but pastors, they go to conferences and they lose sleep over this epidemic of why are young people leaving the church? And I'm telling you, it's not rocket science. Why would a young person stay in church when all their life they've been bouncing around on weekends, traveling, being taught that sports are more important than the house of God, and that band is more important than the house of God? I mean, there, there's no root Seeds that get scorched because we didn't plant them deep enough. The third distraction Jesus warns us about is the seed that gets choked. Matthew 13, 22 says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. And I want us to look at this for a second and see it because it, it says, it doesn't say that the responsibilities of this life are killing us. It says that the worries of this life are the things that are choking us out. You know, some of us aren't distracted by the things that are actually happening to us. We're distracted by our interpretation of the things that are happening to us. Does that make sense? Jesus says the worries of this life have the effect of suffocating. The worries of this life have the effect of suffocating. If you grabbed a handout this morning on your way in, you'll find that there was a little straw attached to your notes. If you wouldn't mind grabbing that, I want you to participate with me in something real quick.
the worries of this life have the effect of suffocating. If you wouldn't mind, breathe through that straw while plugging your nose just for a few seconds. Jesus wanted to illustrate that the things that we worry about, the anxiety and the stress that we add into our lives, it has the effect of suffocating this claustrophobic feeling we're choking. Jesus says that he is the breath of life, yet we constantly choose the breath of anxiety, worry, and stress, and we wonder why we're choking. You're so distracted by what happened on Friday that you can't function in what you need to do on Monday. Right? (laughs) Choking on the fear of something your kid might do that they haven't even done yet. You know, some of us were, were distracted and were choking on not what's happening to us, but thinking about what might happen to us. Think about that for a minute. It's not what's happening to you that's choking you. It's what you're thinking about what might happen to you that's choking you. I mean, the enemy is genius in this. He doesn't have to do anything to you. He just has to get you to think it'll happen to you. If we would change our mind, it could change our life, even if our circumstances don't change at all. We're being destroyed by distractions up here. This passage also mentions the deceitfulness of wealth choking us out. And it's easy to hear that and think about people who make millions and, you know, we can sit and agree, yep, you're right. Money is the root of all evil. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And I know plenty of people, poor and rich, who are obsessed with money. And you know, I might not have millions, but if I look at my own life, I I have plenty of stuff. And so the deceitfulness of wealth will choke us out. And, And it's deception because it's when you start to think that when you accumulate, you'll be satisfied, and that's when you begin to choke. Parents travel all over the world trying to make more money to provide their kids with something they never had All the while, they're missing out on what they really need. And and if you don't give the presentation, someone else will. But if you don't show up at practice, no other dad can. You know, you can always make more money, but you can't get three years old back. Paxton's not going to ask me to be the lion forever. And so when he does, you best believe I'm putting my phone down and I'm putting the remote down and I'm getting down on my hands and knees and I am letting out the best roar that I can muster. And you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me that he's always the T-Rex and wins every time. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be the best lion I can be. Choking, choking on stuff that doesn't matter. So we're going to look at the fourth distraction here in a second, but if we look at the story Jesus has been telling, 
The fourth soil he mentions is, is the good soil, right? The soil we all want to be. And so that can't be the distraction that he's talking about. Well, if we look a little bit later in Matthew 13, Jesus tells another story that's a little shorter, but it relates directly to the same exact illustration. He says in Matthew 13, 24, Jesus told them another parable, another story. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared This is the seed that gets sabotaged. The seed that gets sabotaged, your fourth point. You have a destiny. You have a great destiny. I don't know if anyone has ever told you that before, if a parent or a coach has ever mentioned that to you, or maybe life's beat it out of you, but you have a great destiny. The Bible says that We are born again in the incorruptible seed of God, that you were made in God's image. You have a great destiny. But Matthew 13 also says that we have an enemy. And he seeks to destroy by distraction. He sows weeds among the wheat, sabotaging you, distracting you in the midst of of your destiny. While you were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. So the enemy can't take away your destiny. Get this, pay attention. He can't take away your destiny. He can only plant something next to it to keep you from recognizing it. He can't take away your God-given destiny and identity. He can only plant something next to it to try to keep you from recognizing it. And God is always scattering seed in your life. And the enemy knows he can't take it from you. So what he does is he easy thinks, maybe if I can get someone to offend them. You know, maybe it'll choke the love out of their heart. Maybe bitterness will begin to sprout and they won't be able to function in their destiny. He's the master at deception and distraction. You know, I can't get you to leave your wife yet, but maybe I can plant some weeds. You'll begin to think of that greener grass on the other side. If you look at the scripture, it says that the enemy came when the farmer was sleeping, planted the seed and left. He knew that's all he needed to do. So that's why we need to wake up, church. Don't let the enemy catch you spiritually sleeping because he will wreck your field he will wreck your family and he does it right under our noses catching us off guard i'm uh, going to invite two of my friends on the stage they're going to go ahead and get ready um, for a couple reasons i don't want us to leave this morning without having a chance to really dig this seed deep into our hearts this morning. I don't want it getting snatched today. And so I want us to really plant it deep in our hearts 
I don't want to miss out on this. Also, there are examples of two young people who are really living out what it looks like to push out distractions and to, to focus on this path toward Christ. Grady's still a student living this out in his high school. Audrey just graduated recently and has stepped in to become a youth leader because they want to live toward the path of their destiny. They're beginning to recognize this, and they represent just a few represented at our youth group at CSM, young people who are beginning to recognize this. Despite the path that has been laid out before them and their parents, uh, these two have incredible parents who have instilled this within them, but recognizing that, yes, they do have an identity and a destiny in Christ, and that distractions are very real, and their enemy is very real, and they don't want anything to distract them from that. So the good news this morning is that the Bible tells us that God is the master gardener. And uh, he has this way of, when we come to him, he has this way of, of pulling out the weeds in our life. And, you know, he doesn't do it sloppily or without focus. He, he gets down and pulls it out by the, the root and so, this morning, I don't want us to miss the seed that's being scattered today. The enemy will try to snatch it before you leave. He'll try to scorch it before it can take root and gain depth. And he will try to choke you out this week, I promise you. And so, we need to be firmly planted in Christ. He wants to bring a sense of focus back to your life. He has a path and a great destiny for you. But the enemy will try to pull you off course with distractions. So what we're gonna do to kind of close this morning out, maybe you were distracted during worship before, maybe something happened this week that has been choking you out a little bit. I want us to close by truly focusing on what Christ has for us. So they're gonna lead us in a song of worship. And, uh, and I want us to really give God the attention he deserves to really water this seed deep within our hearts. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me all across the room and our prayer partners, you can come forward. We're gonna just make this opportunity available to you to plant this seed deep. So prayer partners, you can come forward and uh, my two friends are gonna start leading us in worship at this time.